0: Thanks so much for listening. Just because you're a government organization doesn't mean you can't have a little personality. That's what my friend Joe Galbo proves day in and day out over at the Consumer Products Safety Commission. I've wondered for some time how they manage their social media strategy and Joe's the brains behind most of the operation. We'll talk content, memes, data, and more, as well as how he can get it all done at the federal level. This is a really fun conversation. Joe and I have been friends for a long time, so it was great to catch up with him, as well as get a little insight into his job. And I, I again, it's a really great conversation. I think you should stick around for the whole thing. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, I am very happy to have my guest, Joseph Galbo, with me. Uh, Aside from us going to the same grammar school and high school, Joseph is the social media specialist at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. You might know some of his work because he creates very funny uh, graphics across their social media channels to make sure that people are staying safe. Joseph Galbo, how are you? I'm good, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very, very excited to be here on the podcast. Yeah, I am very happy to have you on the podcast. i I really love your work. And so uh, this season is focused on people creating content. And I thought, who better to have about creating good social media content than somebody who creates interesting social media content for a government agency? Because I think that probably that's not what people immediately think about when they, when they think about government agency social media presence.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think I would agree. And and uh, b- before I get too far into it, I, I do just want to share a quick disclaimer with everybody. Um, everything I'm saying today is is my own opinion and has not necessarily been approved by the uh, commission. So you're just getting the raw Joe Galbo thoughts today, um, you know, not commission approved. So just had to share that to make the lawyers <laughs> happy. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, Joe, I I think you're 100% right. I I think uh, there is a ton of great social media work happening in the government space. You know, uh, many, many government agencies are doing a really incredible job. Um, You know, I'm thinking of places like NASA. I'm thinking of places like the Department of Energy, which also has a really incredible podcast, if anyone wants to get into uh, government podcasts. Um, You know, but there's a lot of great work happening out there. I will say a lot of it is very government-looking and kind of what you might expect to see from a government agency. And that's definitely something different than what we're trying to do at CPSC, where things are, um, like you you said yourself, just a little bit more entertaining than what you might typically find from a government social media presence.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's really interesting. I will link to the Department of Energy podcast. I didn't know they had one, but I am interested. Uh, So I'll link to that in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. Before we get too deep into this, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and and what you do for the CPSC?
1: Sure. So, uh, real quick, the Consumer Product Safety Commission. If if you're not familiar with us, uh, we're a federal regulatory agency. Uh, We regulate about 15,000 different kinds of consumer products, and that's everything from ATVs to toaster ovens to clothing uh, to hardwood flooring to playgrounds to, you know, if you name it, there's an excellent chance it falls under our jurisdiction. Uh, We like to say we basically regulate everything except the (laughs) air and food and automobiles. Uh, and planes, right. right? Planes are under the <laughs> FAA. But it, but it's actually m- much easier to describe the things we don't regulate than it is to describe the things we do regulate, because there's such a broad jurisdiction there. Um, and my role, I work in the Office of Communications. I am the social media specialist. Uh, our communication team overall is very small. It's between eight to 10 people. And my job is actually, uh, there are two sides to it. So I do manage all the day-to-day social media, but I also manage all of our websites. And we have about five websites. Um, You know, our big flagship website, cpsc.gov, where maybe if you did hear about a recalled product is where you would go to kind of, you know, find out about it and learn how you could get that taken care of. Um, and then a few other smaller sites that are tied to our safety education campaigns and other mission-critical things that happen at the agency. Uh, agency's annual budget is about $125 million a year. Our communication office budget is about $4 million a year. Um, so it's pretty small when you think of government. We're, we're one of the smaller federal agencies, and we're absolutely one of the smallest Federal regulatory agencies. So you can imagine, like the EPA and the FDA. You know, those are big, huge government agencies, billion-dollar budgets. Um, they have the same type of mission work that we do, but we're much, much smaller. Um, so that's that's kind of where we we sit in the federal. space. Wow,
0: that's really interesting, right? Because uh, you just mentioned all the things that you uh, regulate. Um, so you would I, I would expect it to be a little bit bigger. But that said, I um. I will again I'll link to the website. I am part of a uh, like a, a recall email alert, I think, thanks to you. Um yeah. Oh, very when, cool. Yeah. That's I mean awesome. when my daughter was born, like I cared a lot more about stuff like that. So um sure. I don't <laughs> want to use something for my kids that are that is recalled. So um I'll be sure to link to that too. Cause that's good parent. That's good parenting thank right you. there, man. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, great. So so thanks for setting the stage there. Uh, now, one of the things, uh, at least that tends to catch a lot of people's attention, is the, the kind of stuff that you do um, for the social media channels. So uh, you have a pandemic-related mascot, I think. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about, yeah. and not specifically, I forget the name. Um, I forget. The, the, it's a fox. I know that much. It's Quinn. Yes. Quinn, Quinn, the quarantine, Quinn the Fox. quarantine yes. Fox. Yes. And, but your other stuff, like when, when you put out stuff around like fireworks and, um, like pool safety, I think was another one that I saw. Like, it's just all very funny. Um, and also informative. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you, Chris, your Christmas tree campaign. Um, now, now I'm just kind of, showering you with compliments
1: uh, <laughs> sure I appreciate it no, I'm gonna let you keep going I'm not gonna stop you here. yeah <laughs> um,
0: but it's it's been super helpful because like we Christmas trees for example uh, I never had a real Christmas tree until I married my wife and she was like we have to get a real Christmas tree um and so like there are things that I would not have thought of except for your social media presence um so how do you how do you come up with uh, first of all, how do you decide what you're going to inform the public about? And then how do you come up with the the imagery and the messaging for that stuff? Sure. So CPSC is a very data-driven agency.
1: Um, and that is in really everything we do. So whether it's our uh, communication stuff, like I work on, or our regulatory side, where you know we're creating regulations and standards for various consumer products, you know, again, everything under our jurisdiction, everything we do is based in data. Uh, so for our safety education campaigns, especially, we rely on data from the agency's National Electronic Injury Surveillance System. And that is NICE for <laughs> short, uh, N-E-I-S-S. So the NICE system is basically a network of hospitals across the country that provide us their emergency room data. So when you go to the emergency room at a NICE hospital, uh, the nurse, you know, they, they help you out. They set you up with a room. And then part of their data entry that they do is they plug into our system why you came into the emergency room that day. Mm. And what our system does, it takes all of that information from all the nice hospitals across the country. It tabulates it. It puts it into a very, very helpful uh, you know, internal system we have at the agency. And it allows us to see what is injuring people across the country. And that's how we determine what we're going to communicate about. Uh, you know, at various points throughout the year. So, for example, you know, uh, September and October, or let's let's choose October in the holiday season, mm-hmm. rather. Um, so, during the holiday season, you know, we see a lot of Halloween costume injuries coming into hospitals. So, that enables my office to say, okay, so people are out there, they're going trick-or-treating with their kids. Maybe they're not, um, you know, having their kids in a well-fitting costume. So, we're seeing a lot of trip injuries in October. We're seeing a lot of you know, kids uh, walking into trees and going to the emergency room in October, we should probably do a campaign around Halloween safety and how you make sure you have a Halloween costume that, you know, is good for your kids. Uh, to, to maybe use a more applicable example, um, you know, for this time of year, we're recording right now in uh, the spring and, and you know, heading into summer. We track drowning injuries through our NICE system. So Joe, you mentioned one of our big campaigns is our Pool Safely campaign. It's all about making sure kids know how to swim and making sure parents and adults know CPR And know how to, uh, you know, what they should be doing when their kids are at a pool. Um, And all of that messaging comes out of the injuries and the data that we collect through the NICE system. So that's kind of how we decide what we're going to message about. We just look at the data. And if the data tells us Americans are hurting themselves through, you know, from these products that are under our jurisdiction, we create messaging about it. Uh, The second part of your question there, you know, so how do we? How did we decide to come up with this creative approach for our social media? That was really about me kind of taking a look at what other federal agencies were doing, what other regulatory agencies were doing on social media, and trying to come up with a way for us to stand out. You know, we we, again, we're a small agency. We don't have a huge dedicated social media budget. Um, Actually, until this year, we had practically no budget. For doing any type of paid social media advertising at all, um, I use a stock photography account. It is the cheapest stock <laughs> photography account that can be afforded. Um, you know, I have uh, I do all the Photoshop work myself. I you know I create all the social videos myself. So it is truly a one st- like one person show uh, on a cheap, cheap budget. Um, so when you're in that type of situation, you know, create creativity is really your ally. Mm-hmm. And you really have to force yourself to be creative in order to even hope to break through the noise on, you know, social media platforms. Um, And we are engaged on all the major social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, all of them at this point are very mature. You know, everyone kind of knows what to expect from each of those platforms. So if you're a new brand launching in that space, like you just have to be creative and you have to try things that are a little bit out there. Um, and, you know, I think there, were, there was a lot of great precedent set for trying a fun, fun approach when it came to communicating serious stuff. we uh, I look at people, you know, like Jon Stewart, who for many years on The Daily Show did exactly that. He took very serious concepts and he turned them into very, very fun, you know, uh, bits basically, right? And he did that for years very successfully. And I, I think Being a little bit entertaining allows people to let their guard down when it comes to serious topics and controversial topics and kind of enables people to open themselves up to learning. And that's really what we're trying to do with the fun social media graphics that we create. It's, you know, presenting something in a really entertaining way, but also you're going to learn something very serious at the same time.
0: This episode is brought to you by Boosted. Creating well-designed marketing videos for social media can be hard. I know because I've tried. With Boosted, you can easily create beautiful-looking marketing videos that are optimized to get business results. You can choose from a wide range of templates to create ads, Instagram stories, tutorials, or anything else you can think of. And the best part is they won't look like everyone else's videos. And on iOS, you can create images too. Boosted is your one-stop shop for all of your social content. You create great-looking graphics and videos to help your business stand out. I've been using Boosted to come up with a series of short videos for my own projects, and I honestly can't believe how easy it is. I'm hooked. The app is free to download with a bunch of templates out of the box. But if you want to try Boosted Premium, you can. Listeners of the show can get an exclusive deal. $5 for the first three months. Just visit howibuilt.it slash boosted. Again, that's howibuilt.it slash B-O-O-S-T-E-D. Stop struggling to create marketing videos that look good. Get Boosted Premium and start making videos that will get results. Again, that link is howibuilt.it slash boosted for three months of Boosted Premium for just $5. And now, back to the show. So first, let's go back to the the nice hospitals. First of all, that's nice, N-E-I-S-S, right? When you said it the first time, I was like, oh, it's only in like nicer hospitals or whatever. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, N-E-I-S-S, yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, that's not something... I My wife is a nurse, and that's not really something that dawned on me, right? They have a very... Uh, Complex charting system through a a, a program called Epic, um, and mm. it didn't really dawn on me that uh, they would report this information to um, more than just like the medical governing body, right? That um, you sure. get some of this information and and then you can react on that. I think that's super cool. Um, now, when yeah, yeah you know, no, no, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh no sure I, I think you know again part of one of the challenges at the at the commission is that because we 're such a small agency, I think a lot of Americans first of all, don't know who we are. And then, second of all, don't realize the types of services and and programs we're running. And the nice the nice system is to me like as soon as I got to the agency and I learned about it, I was like, wait a minute, what what are we doing? Like, how you know? I've only been at the agency four years and I, I had never heard of it before before I applied for the job. So when I when I heard the type of system we were running there, I was like, oh my god, what do you mean? I can look up how many people were injured by you know knives yeah. uh, last year across <laughs> the country? Like that that's crazy. Like who even knew this was a thing that existed? Um, so yeah. yeah
0: that's that's so cool um and I'm sure like a lot of the I love data, and so I could ask you a million questions about that. I'm sure the data is probably privy uh, well actually, you're a government agency is the government is is that data published somewhere or is that like for your eyes only? Oh yeah oh no, absolutely
1: it's it's very very public and and we encourage people to use it whenever we can um, you know it so it's it's available on our website our website is cpsc.gov uh, if you were to go to the main menu on cpsc.gov, there's a subhead there that says National Electronic Injury Surveillance System, and then on that page there's a button that takes you to the NICE Query Portal, which is a not very well designed piece of software. And as the person who runs the website, I'm allowed to say that I can. I'm I'm big enough that I could I can tell you when we're not doing as good a job as we can. So, but yeah, basically through that query portal, you can create your own custom search through the data, or you can just download an Excel file of all the wow. data itself. Um, so, you know, it, we. I'm really a part of, and again, I know this is not what this episode is supposed to be about, but one of the things I'm trying to do with our websites is uh, make our data more transparent, make it easier to use, you know, anything. And, and again, if you're a developer and you're listening to this and you go to our website and you see a bunch of ways it could be better, please let me know. Um, there's a button on the bottom of the website that says website feedback. And I read everything that comes in through that. And I definitely want to hear exactly what we should be doing a better job of.
0: Wow, that's that's great. I well, I'm absolutely going to check that out as a uh, developer person, but also as just a person generally interested in data like this. That's super cool. Sure. <laughs> um, and I think that it. I I I think that's really helpful for uh, the listeners, right? Because you are creating content based on data. I think it's really easy to just say. Well, I thought of this content, so I'm going to put it out. But uh, I think a a central theme that's been around other people I've interviewed for this season is figure out what's going to serve your audience the best and put content out based around that. That makes it shareable and helpful, and people are going to develop uh, a trust in, in the information that you're putting out
1: yeah absolutely. and And that's exactly what we've seen, Joe. You know, so so the fun approach, you know, when I first kind of um, brought this up to my supervisors and brought it up to our senior management, that that was a big concern was that if we do this kind of fun social media approach, it'll somehow harm the credibility of the agency. And one of the incredible things that I saw as soon as I was able to get people over that idea was how many people on social media started reaching out to us saying, "I actually trust you guys more." because this is how you're presenting the information to me, because you're presenting the information to me in a way that I find entertaining, in a way that I find useful. And I think that is what people are looking for, you know, especially when it comes to establishing trust with, with a whether you're a federal agency or, or a company or whoever you are, um, you know, they want to see you trying to meet them where they're at. And that really, really starts with knowing your audience and understanding your audience as best as you can. You know, and for me, that that's supposed to be all 350 million Americans. If you're a business owner, you know, obviously you you've hopefully already thought of thought of who your target customer is. And you know, this is this is the type of thing that's tried and true. You know, you have to understand your customer base as well as you possibly could, using all the data applicable. You know, uh, and for us, it's actually I actually feel like my job as far as understanding. Americans and, and what's hurting them is fairly easy because we have a great data system that helps me do that. You know, the average business person might not have that. You know, you're going to have to read a lot. You're going to have to maybe do your own focus groups. You're going to have to get out there and, you know, see what your competitors are doing. Um, and I do, all we do all those things too. It's just on top of it, I have a system that's telling me, yeah, this is how many people are being injured and this is where you should go kind of thing. So yeah, I, I do consider myself as a marketer very fortunate, you know, that I have this big database to, to help me do my job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and right, finding good sources of data is so important. I'll link to an episode uh, I did of this show with uh, Ron Giselle, who talked about taking advantage of Google Analytics, which is free, and what you can learn about what your customers or your uh, visitors are doing on your website. And then that, just any information more than zero will help you hone your message. so I think that's that's really important, and it's very cool to hear that um, uh, the doing the fun creative campaigns has helped with the credibility of the agency. Um, but but what was it like? I, again, this is maybe my personal perception, but I feel like there's probably a lot of red tape in government, and it seems like you have a bit more autonomy than I would have expected uh, working inside a government agency, especially. The a very front-facing part of it.
1: Yeah, sure. So it was, you know, in those early days. Um, when when they hired me right out of the gate, I said to them, "Listen, things are going to look different here. You know, uh, the the way you've been doing social media hasn't been working as well as it could. Um, if you bring me into the position, expect a change. Expect to see things that are a little bit." different than what you've been doing. So right away with my immediate supervisors, I was able to establish this kind of expectation that there was gonna be stuff and it was gonna look different than what was before. Um, they maybe didn't anticipate all the talking animals. I don't think they anticipated, I, I don't think they anticipated, you know, the wild animals united for human safety, or, you know, the the unicorns flying on the moon, or you know, the talking cats and the talking dogs and all that type of stuff. There was no way they could have anticipated any of that. But but we I did try to establish very early on, hey, listen, like it's not gonna look the way you think it's gonna look. Um, and they, to their credit, they were very open with that. And I, and I can't tell you how important it was in those early weeks and months to kind of establish a lot of trust between myself and my bosses. And, you know, I, what I was able to show to them was, yeah, I can do the serious government messaging you want, you know, and all the serious things that you need to have happen from our social media accounts. I can do that and I could take care of that. And I'm going to competently, you know, communicate incredibly important things to people when you need me to but also here's a talking dog that's going to teach people how not to set their house (laughs) on fire. So I need you to support me over here too. And, and figuring out that dynamic was, was super important. Um, you know, again, if anyone here is listening and you are the leader of an organization, uh, I can't tell you how valuable it is to kind of give your people space to be creative, you know, and that's really what the agency has done for me is they, they've given me a lot of space to explore and try things. And my role has been to kind of, you know, move a little bit faster than, you know, the pace we were going as far as the risks we're taking, but also to do it in a really calculated way. And I think that's been the thing that's kind of opened me up to being able to take as many liberties as I have with the messaging. Um, You know, again, it's a partnership between what I want to do from an artistic perspective and what they need to see from the government is doing its job perspective. Uh, so that striking that balance, you know, it, it did. It took a while. You know, it took months. There were absolutely in, the, in those beginning days. I had some graphics. You know, if, if you've seen uh, the ATV rider riding away from a Tyrannosaurus Rex, mm-hmm. promoting you know ATV safety and wearing a helmet, that graphic took me weeks and weeks to get approved. Uh, because, you know, they, for them, it was so out there. Yeah. And for me, it was so obvious that it would be a hit on Twitter and on Instagram, you know, we, and we were very far apart and it, it was, it was negotiating and it was, you know, uh, calming their fears and kind of, you know, eventually getting to a place where they were like, okay, we'll try it and let's see how people react. And that of course is the moment where I knew like, oh, then this is going to go great. You know, like, cause I knew it was going to be a, a graphic that was really well perceived. Um, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely been, you know, really encouraging honestly uh you know i think one of the things that is different about cpsc from a bigger agency like the epa or the fda you know we have a much shorter approval process so mm-hmm. all of my graphics have to get approved by my two immediate supervisors um they get to request changes i've had to make plenty of changes on things you know uh there've been graphics where i make it and they get a, they approve it right away and there've been other graphics where we're going like 10 and 15 rounds you know, on language and on imagery? And is it, you know, the right tone? And is it the right moment? Um, so, you know, again, and that's just doing creative work. You know, anyone who's maybe worked for an advertising agency or if you've worked with a client, I mean, you know, it's it's essentially a very similar process. Um, I think the thing, the biggest thing that they've seen that keeps this strategy alive is the success we've had, you know, as far as our engagements, as far as our social media followers. I mean, you know, basically in the span of four years, We've produced more engagement and more followers than the agency had in the previous like decade. So wow. it, you know on social media, yeah. So so again, that type of success just can't be ignored. Um, you know, and it it's better for everybody. You know, when you don't ignore it, and instead you try to understand it, and you try to cultivate it, and you do everything you can to make it better. You know, and again, you know, we have a small, we have no budget. You know, so when, when these graphics started rolling out and when we got into a really great rhythm and then all the engagement started pouring in, it became very obvious that like, oh, we should keep doing this because not only are we getting a ton of attention, but we're spending practically zero money. You know, uh, Galbo's doing this with uh, a, <laughs> with literally the worst stock photography account anyone could ever imagine having. You know? So, so like when you have that type of success, it's, it's just a no, it, you know, to me, it's like a no brainer. But again, when you're in the government space, um, there are a lot of things to consider You know, another big reason we chose this strategy is because CPSC has the strictest communication law in the government that it needs to um, kind of uh, always keep in mind and always be beholden to. It's a law referred to as 6B. Uh, And basically, it's a law that says we cannot use any uh, creative, we cannot mention any companies without their approval first. Mm. So, for example, I would not be able to use something like a SpongeBob meme or you know any other type of meme sure. based off of uh, creative that the agency does not have, so it does put us in this position where we do have to be very original and create things that are original because it's literally illegal for us not to do that without getting express permission first. Um, so yeah, it's you know it, it's been interesting and it, for me professionally it was a great example of like hey sometimes the constraints that are put on you help you be more creative, you know, uh, and that, that's exactly what happened. And I'm just thankful it it worked out, honestly, you know, it, it's been like, I, I I think I'm, I'm definitely surprised at how successful it's been, uh, you know, because the, the public has just embraced it in such a really great way.
0: Yeah. And, and getting buy-in from your, uh, your higher ups is, is so important. I think that, you know, like you mentioned, like if if you manage employees, like g- give them a little bit of um, of freedom because they're going to think of things that you're not going to think of. Uh, I I I'm looking through your Twitter feed right now. Well, the the oh, okay. CPSC Twitter feed right now, and I nearly laughed out loud while you were talking. Uh, there's one that says <laughs> Quinn the Quarantine Fox says keep your hand sanitizer in its original bottle it's not something and not something like a maple syrup bottle a real thing i saw someone do uh and i thought that was extremely funny yeah. um and it, <laughs> uh, yeah well yeah. so
1: that that's a true so you know at this point i uh, i've been running the agency social media for for 4 years now so i'm at a point where uh you know my close friends like if they see something that they think I would find interesting, they'll, they'll send me a picture of it. So someone literally sent me a picture of I think it was their grandmother had taken hand sanitizer and put it in a maple syrup, <laughs> you know, and it, and it obviously it didn't look like maple syrup, but there it right. was. If if you weren't paying attention, you could have e- just as easily grabbed the maple syrup and squirted out some hand sanitizer in yeah. pancakes. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that's a,
0: that's a good example of a real life scenario. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know that uh yeah that's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, I I will say like having containers uh, clearly different and and marked is good. You know, my dad, we were at IHOP one time, and my dad poured. Coffee on his pancakes because he thought it was so, but at least it wasn't maple syrup. <laughs> um, or at least right, it wasn't yeah. hand sanitized, well, hand sanitized, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, man, this is so, this is really fantastic. Um, you're, you, I know I'm giving you a lot, I apologize. I talk a lot, so this is, yeah, yeah, no, dude, I, mean to I, I totally understand. I mean, so do I, so it's better you, the guest, because people hear me talk every week. Um, <laughs> so uh i i like what you said so there's a much shorter approval process but you do have strict communication um and then you mentioned str- finding the right tone right as i'm going through uh your feed here i think that probably the the image that's the one that stands out the most to me um is the the drownings stat right which obviously is inappropriate to have a um something something funny, uh kind of communicate this statistic. Um and this is probably oh, this is also from pool safety, right? This isn't exactly from oh, which is part of Yeah. yeah. So okay our our pool safely campaign, we we have an independent
1: PR contractor who runs that social media for us. Okay. It it looks very different than what we do from the CPSC account.
0: Yeah. This episode is brought to you by iThemes. Did you know that 60% of website breaches occur because a vulnerability could have been patched but wasn't? That means having software with known vulnerabilities installed on your site gives hackers the blueprint they need to take over your site. Every day, it gets harder and harder to keep track of every disclosed WordPress vulnerability. You have to compare that list to your plugins and themes by version and make sure you're constantly updating. To solve this problem, the iThemes Security Pro plugin created a better way to protect your sites against software vulnerabilities, the number one culprit of WordPress sites. The new improved WordPress security site scan powered by iThemes performs automatic checks for known website vulnerabilities, and automatically applies available fixes so you don't have to. Whew, that's some peace of mind. And I could speak personally to this because as somebody who has repaired hacked websites, I know that it could be costly and dangerous to lose information, especially when it's personally identifiable. So iThemes Security Pro also includes a ton of other features to help you keep the bad guys out. Brute force protection, two-factor authentication, passwordless logins, and compromised password protection. Plus, a whole lot more to keep you safe. If you want to start securing your sites today, head over to howibuilt.it slash iThemes to get the best WordPress security plugin to secure and protect WordPress iThemes is giving How I Built It listeners a twenty percent discount by using the code How I Built It at checkout. Again, that's How I Built It slash iThemes. That's How I Built It slash i t h e m e s, and use the code howibuiltit at checkout for twenty percent off. And now back to the show. Uh, again, that's a very obvious example where I think that anybody with a little bit of common sense would know not to make light of that. But um, have there been times where you've kind of struggled with exactly how to strike the right tone? Yeah, absolutely. And tone is something we talk about
1: probably uh, three or four times a week. And, you know, I've I've had uh, a number of bosses now at the agency, a number of communication directors, and every single one of them, um, this has come up like, you know, well, what is the right tone for Uh, you know, this either specific message or for the moment. You know, a good example is uh, I think a few months ago, the agency had to put out some safety communication about in-home elevators. So there's a problem with in-home elevators where uh, kids can get trapped underneath them. Wow! And actually the injuries are incredibly serious. So that's a good example of an issue where, you know, it wasn't really appropriate to use a funny graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I did, if you if you were to scroll back in our feed and find those graphics, uh, you would see that they're very straightforward. You know, um, it's a lot of text. The image is something, you know, like it's almost like a recreation you might see, like on the news. Um, it, there's nothing, there's no cute animal communicating safety tips about in-home elevators. Um, and I, I think, you know, again, it, it's all about, What's the right timing? You know, so th- for this issue especially, we had, the agency had just been criticized for not doing enough about the issue. Uh, this was part of our communication strategy to get the message out there. You know, it wouldn't have been appropriate to do something like create a mascot, right. you know, like we did with the quarantine. You know, it wouldn't have been appropriate to... Uh, Take you know again a, a flying unicorn and deliver an in home elevator message, so we did take a more serious approach um, to me that's not to say that down the road, maybe we don't try to come up with a way to do a more creative execution for in home elevators. You know it was just in that moment where right. we were dealing with something incredibly serious and and the agency was seen as being behind on the issue. Uh, we chose to do something you know much more serious. You know, and I say that all the time. You know, ATVs—that's a great example. So, ATVs are probably the deadliest product we regulate. ATVs kill about six or seven hundred Americans a year. Wow. Um, A lot of those deaths are, are sadly, kids under the age of sixteen. So, you know, again, it's, it's kind of about the balance between, you know, how how much is communicating the death data. Uh, more effective maybe than communicating something like wear a helmet. And I think for any of the subjects where we're skewing towards the prevention side, the, you know, in the ATV example, the, hey, wear a helmet side, it's better to go creative. Um, it's better to do something fun because a lot of our safety tips seem very common sense, you know, and the situations that people find themselves in are very dire and, and can be very deadly. At the same time, if you're trying to deliver a common sense message, in a very plain-spoken way, people aren't going to pay attention to it.
0: Right. You know,
1: um, I, I think we all know that we should wear our seatbelts, right? right? Right. But yeah. if if they were going to make, you know, if NHTSA, uh, the National Highway, <laughs> National, I, I forget what NHTSA stands <laughs> for. Sorry, NHTSA. If if NHTSA is going to put out a, a seatbelt PSA and they decide to do it with, you know, a boring execution, at this point, people are going to be like, "Well, yeah, of course, I should just wear my seatbelt." Duh. Why did they even spend money on this sort right. of thing? You know, um, and I never want us to be in that position. I never want people to see our stuff and think, you know, oh well, uh, I can't believe they they did this in such a you know mundane and boring way. Um, because my fear, my big fear, is that they're going to think that about our message anyway. You mm-hmm. know, um, and that's again part of the reason why to, taking a more fun approach has been super helpful. Because when you see a message that says, "Hey, make sure you stand by your pan and don't leave your cooking alone on the stove." Because it could cause a fire. You know, your brain doesn't think, oh, that's really obvious. Instead, you're entertained by, you know, again, either the unicorn or the talking dog or whatever. And then you receive the safety education message of, you know, hey, stand by your pan because most home fires are caused by unattended cooking. You know and and again it's it's definitely a judgment call, and like I said we we talk about this constantly with everything I do yeah yeah <laughs> it's you know every every time we have a new thing to tackle um beach umbrellas you know last year the agency had to tackle uh the subject of beach umbrellas um beach umbrellas if you don't put them into the sand deep enough, they can like blow and they mm. can impale people and I think sadly God. last year there were some very serious injuries with beach umbrellas. Wow so again, that's one of those subjects where it can be life and death um. So we we took the approach we took at the time what, because beach umbrella messaging was very common sense messaging you know it wasn't like in home elevators where you know the messaging around there was not so common sense right. uh beach umbrella it's like hey make sure you dig it deep enough right so we did do a dual campaign where at the same time we were running serious graphics but we were also running the more fun and entertaining graphics um you know and the joke was less about the joke in the fun graphics wasn't necessarily about like Oh how ridiculous is this! It was more along the lines of, "Hey, there's something bad is happening to you, and and here's how you can approve it." And I, I I'm not doing a good job describing it. I please find one of the Beecham Bellographics and, Bello graphics and yeah, link to it uh, so people show notes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I I think when you
0: see it, you, it would be better understood. Awesome. Um- and, and, and you're absolutely right. But also, I mean, like some of maybe, you know, my brothers say I have no common sense. So maybe this is me. But <laughs> um, I'm looking at, at one right now where I feel like you have found the perfect graphic. Uh, it's about not plugging your space heater into a power strip. And the space heater looks terrified. Like, did you do that on purpose? It looks like two yes. eyes and like a shocked open mouth.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, what's the What's the rest of the graphic look like? Just out of uh, curiosity. I I've made so many space heater ones over the. Yeah. <laughs> over yeah. The so years. this
0: is one. It's with Quinn, the quarantine fox, at the top. It's orange. the The text is blue, while well, it has a blue background. Um, but it's a white space yes, heater yes, with yes, the two yes. knobs that look like eyes, and uh, the actual heating part looks like a mouth, and like you've positioned it so that it looks like it's like terrified, uh, which is I yeah, think really I've- funny.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I try to do, I do try to take products and, and turn them into different things. So we have a whole series. Actually, it's promoting the nice system itself where we have products uh, attacking cities as monsters. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I have one graphic where a portable generator has been turned into a Leviathan and it's being chased by a pirate ship. We have another another series of graphics where the products, uh, you know, again, are like turned into spaceships or, you know, yeah, any, you know, I, do, I do try to, uh, take people outside of the normal world a little bit. And I think taking products and giving them human qualities is a really fun way to do that. You know? Yeah. So the space heater that looks a little scared, you know, yeah. or the, again, the coffee pot that's attacking Dallas, um, you know, the, <laughs> those are the <laughs> kinds of things that I, I think people appreciate. And I, and, you know, I, I do love product design and I, I love products. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I even looked for the position at CPSC was because once I found out what they did, I was like, wow, this is a really great way to maybe find a new appreciation for, you know, the stuff I own and the stuff I like to read about. Um, so anytime I can have an opportunity to take a product and have a little fun with it, I, I always try to do that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And uh, for my own notification now, why shouldn't you plug a space heater into a power strip? Because this is the thing I'm like, maybe it's common sense, but I have no idea why.
1: Sure. So Lifehacker actually wrote a really great article about this, I think three or four years ago. That's still perfectly relevant. Um, space, so space heaters and power strips, the power load is not always um, you know, equal between them. So basically what happens is you're asking the power strip to do too much and mm. it just explodes. And it, it explodes wow. in a glorious, glorious fashion. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, if you, if you I'm look looking up, at
0: pictures right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you should definitely Google some photos of this because it, it's kind of gnarly. You know, the thing just kind of blows up almost like a lithium ion battery uh, when it, it it like expands, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy looking stuff. But again, it's the type of thing most people don't think twice about, you know? Right. I mean, in my whole life, I probably was plugging uh, space heaters into power strips, not even thinking about the power load between them, you know? And, and again, that's, it, it, CPSC, it's an agency based in science. And, and when you get into the standard side of what we do, you know, our scientists are really in depth on this type of stuff, um, you know, and there's a lot of engineering involved, obviously, uh, you know, again, if you're a person who loves science and and you've always thought like, oh, I wonder what it looks like when you're trying to, you know, do science in regards to products, uh, really go to our website, take a look at our stuff because, you know, we produce reports about incredible, incredible things. Um, Very engineering heavy, obviously. But also, you know, from an epidemiology standpoint, especially with our injury data, super, super fascinating
0: reports. This episode is sponsored by CircleCI. Whether you're on a development team, manage a development team yourself, or you have a business that relies on working software, a good process is so important to making sure you're creating high-quality work. Continuous integration or the ability to check and manage code automatically can help you and your developers streamline the process in a big way. And CircleCI is here to help. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit howibuilt.it slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their continuous integration and delivery pipelines. As someone who's worked on big coding projects for big companies with distributed development teams, I can tell you that continuous integration tools have helped us make sure we deliver working code to our clients. It helps instill trust in our team, and it lets our team focus on solving new problems instead of dealing with the same ones over and over again. So, once again, learn how CircleCI can help you end your business at howibuilt.it/slash CircleCI. As a special bonus for How I Built It listeners, CircleCI is having a virtual raffle where you can win a pair of the newest Sony noise-canceling headphones. Improve your team's processes and enter for a chance to win at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. That's C-I-R-C-L-E-C-I. And now, back to the show. As we come up on time here, I, I want to ask you... Um, and i haven't I haven't really prepped you for this question. So just like things that have worked for you, what are some tips that you can give to listeners about creating um, you know some some unique content and And obviously, we can't guarantee it's going to stand out. But obviously, what you're doing for the agency works really well for you. So what are some tips that you can give the listeners? Sure. So I'm, I'm deep into pop culture.
1: Uh, you know, I, I love movies. I love TV shows. I love comic books. I, I read everything and I try to experience everything I can, you know? Um, and actually a lot of my graphics, if you were to look at them holistically have a very Spielbergian quality to them. Um, nice. it's a lot of, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of epic imagery. It's a lot of like, you know, war of the worlds type things. Uh, you know, and I, and I think that's where I pull inspiration from. I, I try to learn from other artists and other creators, um, you know, I'm not deep into Reddit. I'm not deep on Imgur. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not deep into meme culture, honestly. And it, it's kind of funny because a lot of people have looked at our stuff and been like, wow, look at these crazy memes this guy is producing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's And uh, for me, I mean, I guess they are, you know, and I, I have described them as safety memes in the past, uh, but it's not like my goal. You know, my goal is to just create a great graphic that people will find entertaining. So, you know, get deep into creative work from other people, you know, study the masters, study the Spielberg, study you know, uh, you know, again, we, I think at this point, you know, you, there's a great sense of who our great storytellers are, you know, and, and I'm sure whoever, if you're listening to this, you probably know of great storytellers that I have never even heard of before. Um, you know, and, and that's, again, you're, you'd be pulling from a whole different inspiration base than what I have to create your stuff. And then once you kind of have that, you know, again, think of your audience and think, uh, what is it that they're looking for or that they might be looking for from my brand and what we deliver, you know, and that's going to be different for for everybody. Um, but I think kind of approaching it from this perspective of, Hey, I have to be entertaining first. And then sell a product, or I have to be entertaining first and then educate people. That to me was the big, the big change, uh, you know, when it came to my thinking about our strategy. This idea that I'm not just involved in public health or public education; I'm also partially being an entertainer, you know, and that's how we're going to accomplish our mission best.
0: Yeah, I wow, I really love that. Be entertaining first and and hook hook your audience more importantly, right? Your your audience like you said, they're looking for something, they might be looking for something and they're not immediately just going to go for the sale. You need to convince them that you are worth their time. And no matter what you do uh, or no matter how you do it, just keep that in mind.
1: Exactly, Joe. Yeah. You know, and and again, my my job every day I come to work and I say to myself, okay, no one cares about the Consumer Product Safety Commission. No one's ever heard of us. No one cares about what we do. How can I make people care? And I think taking that type of, you know, uh, hey, we're starting from scratch. We're starting from zero approach. Has, has, again, just been tremendously helpful because it, it changes your whole frame of thinking. It puts you in a position where you say to yourself, okay, my future customers or my future audience don't actually need me and don't need anything from me. So how much harder can I try to make myself relevant to them? Um, and, and again, that, it, it just it helps put everything into you know, a much
0: clearer perspective as far as strategy goes. Man, I love that. That's because it's absolutely true. You read marketing pages for small businesses. I'm guilty of this too. And you talk about like, we did this with just like the best material or I coded this with the latest programming language. Nobody cares about that. Like nobody cares how you made it. They want to know how it's going to help them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and, you know, again, for, for us, especially at the agency, you know, I always try to put the public first and I try to put, you know, I, I have a lot of things because I work for the government that, you know, I don't have to think about. So we don't have a profit line. We don't have, Mm -hmm. you know, shareholders. Um, all we have is the American people and our congressional representatives who, you know, oversee us. And my goal is to do a great job for the American people, you know, and if I'm, seeing our engagement numbers go up, if I'm seeing our follower numbers go up, you know, those are the types of KPIs that tell me, hey, you know, I'm, we're doing okay. Um, and, and I know we're, we're coming up on time, but that's a whole other discussion we could have about KPIs and the types of things you should be measuring. Uh, you know, again, getting back to your earlier point about Google Analytics and, and how you can use data wisely. Um, you know, it's so easy these days to, to take a look at data and leverage it to help your own business. So the more you know about it and the more you learn about it, uh, the better off you'll be are you'll be overall.
0: Yeah, love that. I'll have to have you back on the show. Uh, but for now, I do need to ask my favorite question. And as I've said previously on the show, this collides a little bit with the tips for listeners, but I've asked it in every episode. So I need to ask it of you. Do you have any trade secrets for us? And this is not like government secrets, honestly, but something that works <laughs> for you uh, that you think is helpful, but is not said enough.
1: You know, I, I think... I think challenge, it's it's not really a trade secret, I, I think, but I do think being self-critical and being open to criticism and being your own worst critic, the importance of that cannot be overstated. Uh, no one is harder on my work than me. Um, even when I create something that does well, I still spend time picking out the things about it that are awful, the things I would have done differently, the things I would do differently if I was a more talented designer, if I had, you know, if I had more resources, if I had more time, um, you know, and, and when you do that type of thing, what it does is when you do have to face public criticism, either from your bosses or, or, you know, in, in my case specifically, the general public, it puts you in a position where there's not really much else awful things people could say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because you have already you have already picked your own work apart to the point where um you know you know exactly how it could have been better. Uh and you know and I think the other thing uh, that a lot of people have woken up to especially recently given the the protests and and everything that's happened with George Flo- George Floyd. Um you know I'm a I'm a straight white dude, you know, who has lived his life with a ton of privilege. Um, and my perspective is you know, cloud, clouded by that. Uh, so one thing I am working on now for myself is trying to find ways to uh, expose myself to, to different works, to, you know, again, different creators, who, people who do not look like me and did not grow up you know, in the type of environment I grew up in so that I can learn more, certainly. But also in my work that's meant to you know, reach 300 million Americans, make sure I'm representing those people as well, you know, and and not skewing my work towards, you know, my worldview, which again, has been frankly very limited, you know, from where I grew up and the type of person, you know, I am. Uh, so I, I think that is probably the biggest shift we're going to see, especially in advertising over the next few years. You know, uh, diversity has always been a big talking point, but I don't think um, communication professionals on the whole have done as good a job at truly implementing like what you can learn from a diverse team mm-hmm. into actual work. And I think a few companies have done an exceptional job. I don't know if there's any government agency that's truly done an exceptional job, but I, I think there's a new appreciation for that now. And there's a new appreciation for what different people can bring to, you know, a communication environment. And I, I'm excited actually to see where we go with that, because I do think it's absolutely what should be happening in the present and will be, play a huge role in the future.
0: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly uh, with everything you just said, being self-critical and open to criticism. I think that um, there's probably, you know, again, I feel that there's a little bit too much weight on let's make everybody feel good. uh, And, and, you know, I I think people say like facts over feelings, but, um, you know, I think that criticizing your own work and being open to criticism will make you a better person. Just like being open to other perspectives and having the hard conversation will make you a better person with a better perspective where you can more effectively communicate to other people. So um, everything you just said, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, and I think it's really important as someone just like you who grew up basically in the same town who had this pretty much the same exact upbringing as you. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny
1: to have left uh, where we grew up from, and and to have lived in different areas. And you know, they I, there's that saying: uh, you truly don't know a place until you you leave it. Um, yeah, and I've I've certainly had that uh, feeling a lot over the past yeah. uh, you know few years. Um, but yeah. but yeah, Joe. You know, it's uh, again. I, I forget who said it. Uh, one of the the advertisers, the, one of the great advertisers working today, said, um, you know, you want to be passionate about your work, but you don't want to take it personally. And I always try to remember that because, you know, I, I am very passionate and I love what I do and I, I fight for my, you know, silly ideas uh, whenever I can. But at the same time, you know, you're not going to win every battle and you just have to be able to, you know, take criticism and, and move on, you know, and, and I think anybody who does, any, does anything creative
0: uh, could probably appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's great. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. If people want to learn more, where can they find you? Sure. So I would highly recommend you follow uh, CPSC on social media. We
1: are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle is at USCPSC. Uh, I've always, I I didn't get into government to promote myself, so I don't share my personal Twitter account. Uh, and since <laughs> this is in my official capacity, I won't share it here. Um, but yeah, if you want to stay on top of what we're doing at the agency, definitely follow us on social media. Definitely subscribe for recall emails on cpsc.gov. And if you ever want to chat about anything here, just shoot me an email uh, at my work email address, which is uh, jgalbo at cpsc.gov. And I'm sure Joe can provide you guys a link to
0: that. (laughs) Yes, I will link to that and everything that we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. Joe, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Joe. This was a lot of fun. Really, really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much to Joe or Joseph for joining us this week. Uh, I love a lot of the tips that he talked about. I mean, first of all, he said he's deep into pop culture, which if you uh, are a longtime listener of this show, you'll know that's also the case for me. But think about your audience and what it is they're looking for and what they uh, what they want to get from you. I think this is super important. And, and then he also talks about how he has to be entertaining first and then educate people which again if we translate that into maybe something you're doing make sure you have their attention by giving them a quick win and showing that you're there for them and not just trying to sell them something so uh, thanks again to joe for taking the time to be with us today thanks to this week's sponsors Thanks to this week's sponsors, iThemes, Boosted, and CircleCI. Without their support, the show would not happen. If you like this episode, be sure to give it a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It helps people discover the show. And until next time, get out there and build something.